mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's Kayla. Candace isn't able to join us today, but we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we are in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. Today, we are talking about money. That's right. I know it feels so uncomfortable already, right? But did you know that 80% of us are in debt? And that statistic is only getting higher. So buckle up. This is an important episode most of us need and all of us can benefit from. So today I'm having that uncomfortable money conversation with an extremely qualified money expert. I'm sitting down with Shauna Game. She is a non-practicing certified financial planner who worked for 12 years helping people solve their money issues. She's also a certified trauma money specialist and spent 10 years as a lecturer in finance at California State University, Northridge, teaching a personal finance course that she created from scratch and educated thousands of students. Since launching in 2015, 
Shauna has grown her podcast, Everyone's Talking About Money, to over 22 million downloads, and it was named a top four money show by the New York Times. You have seen and read her work on NBC News, Goop, Refinery29, Women's Health, Real Simple, and so much more. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Shauna Game. And I am here with Shauna Game. Shauna, thank you for joining me. You know, it feels like money holds so much power. In fact, do I dare say it's one of the most powerful things in our world today? You know, I mean, it controls politicians who in turn make our laws and starts affecting us so significantly. So how do we begin to face our trauma with money because we all have it, whether we want to admit it or not, or maybe we're just not aware of it. We all have a slightly complicated relationship with money. So you're here to help us untangle that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? We have, we all have a very complicated relationship with money. And I say that we all basically need to un-F our relationship with money. <laughs> you can cuss on this podcast, just all so right. you know. <laughs> Fantastic. So yes, we all need to go through an unfucking process. And, you know, it usually doesn't occur to you until a little later in life. Like when you get past your 20s, you start to realize like, okay, there are some things that are really messed up with money. And I think it's really because, you know, money is a primal need. So just like we need food and water and shelter, we can't escape the fact that we need money. And, you know, I mean, we could argue all day long, like, does money buy happiness? Does it not buy happiness? You know, what at what point is kind of the happiness level measured? There are lots of different studies around that, but we just can't escape the fact that we need money. So it just really complicates things. And then, you know, on top of that, we don't learn about money. Usually our parents don't teach us about money because they didn't learn about money from their parents. So it just kind of replicated this generational unknowing around money. We don't really learn about it in school. There are some movements now where, you know, there are college courses or, you know, even in high school, people are learning about money, but you still don't really understand it until you kind of get out of college and you get in like the thick of things and you start realizing that there isn't this like fairy tale version around money that you maybe thought would happen in life. And so it's just really complicated. And there are so many different spider webs and, and just entanglements that we get, get stuck in. And what we don't realize is that that all has a direct impact on our, whether you want to call it success or your ability to achieve your money goals. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever happened, had this happen to you, but I have this all the time where there's certain things that I want to do and achieve. And I'm like, why do they, you know, keep not happening? Like, what is wrong with me? And it really comes back to this idea that our relationship around money is just so messed up. You know, you have your own podcast that's a huge success called Everyone is Talking Money. And you have interviewed so many experts, as well as being one yourself. You were a certified financial coach for over 12 years. So just to start us out, what have you found? in your years of experience, what is the single biggest issue that people have when it comes to money? I think it's really interesting because I think most money experts talk about and pontificate about the 
how to's around money. You know, how do you buy a house and how do you save money and how do you budget and all of these things. And yet, you know, what's happening is we're not doing those things. So it's like, okay, why is that not working? So I worked with female entrepreneurs. I'm a certified financial planner, like you mentioned. So I worked with female entrepreneurs for like 12 years and I kept thinking, why are they not doing like what I'm putting on paper? And then I started to think about my own relationship with money. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not doing (laughs) what I'm putting on paper. So let me like rewind this and like look at myself and then kind of look at it, you know, outward. And so, I mean, the foundational principles about money are actually very simple. They're very simple. You know, it's, it's usually we either have to spend less or earn more, right? It's, it's very simple. And, and what we do with our money, it's very simple, but you know, it's still this conversation about like, well, why, why is that not happening? And so I started to do all this research around the behavioral side of money. I call it like how you think, act and feel about money. And I started to realize that whether it's it's trauma or it's false beliefs that, you know, we we are either told or believed, you know, our money story, like how we grew up as kids and what we just sort of like through osmosis learned from our parents, all of that is getting in the way. So, you know, I've done a lot of research on this and and scientific studies show that the money decisions, the decisions we make, 90% of them are mental and 10% of them are how-to. So if we're only playing in this this field of like learning the how-tos, we're missing this huge component to us, you know, just feeling better about money or being able to to do the things we want to do with money. So I really started to devote my entire career and everything I learned and all the guests on our show to talk about that side of money and really kind of marry that with the how-tos. And when I started to do that, I was like, oh, people are actually starting to make progress and make change. Like, okay, there's something, you know, this is like the the secret sauce, I guess. So I think, you know, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying, like, I think that's the most important thing. And then for for women, you know, we have a whole other like bevy of things working against us, you know, whether it's like the gender pay gap or, you know, false money beliefs that we've believed about, you know, relationships and all sorts of things. And that gets even muddier. So, you know, there's just a lot of work that we have to do. And I'm I'm just sort of out there like trying to help people and trying to also help them to not be so scared of of doing some of this work. Oh, thank you for doing that because you know it's it is interesting. I have one of the questions I have written down for you is how much does our childhood affect our perception of money. And in turn, what, you know, you chose to be a financial planner. What was your childhood like? <laughs> Did your family talk about it openly all the time? Or what What was your money story? It's so fascinating because I'm, I'm writing a book right now all about everything we're talking about. And so I just wrote the chapter about my money story and, you know, just really dug around in, in my own in my own story, but you know, yes, our money stories, how we grew up, have a very huge impact. So, um, the the scientific studies have shown that by age seven, our money identity, money personality is set. So, whatever we picked up from like the moment we came out of the womb and took our first breath until age seven, 
is basically lodged in our brains and our bodies and our attitudes and our beliefs around money. And then we just keep kind of echoing that throughout life. And so, you know, whatever we picked up from who, whoever raised us is usually what we're mimicking in a certain way, or we might be going against it because we, you know, we don't want to be what we saw, but going against it usually doesn't provide like a better outcome as well. So, you know, those like prime years are so important. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember a whole lot before age seven. So to think that that was that impactful is just crazy to me. So I grew up, I mean, I had just basically an ideal like childhood and I thought, you know, very naively like, oh, every kid kind of grows up like this. I mean, I grew up in a family, my parents are still married and, you know, my, my dad worked, my mom stayed home, like very classic kind of money roles. You know, we, we never had to really worry about money. I mean, it, it really wasn't you know, a conversation, but this is how sneaky this stuff is. So, you know, doing my own kind of deep dive, what I, what I've come to uncover is, you know, my, my dad grew up, uh, his, his mom lived through the great depression. And so he was a real workaholic and he always wanted to get ahead. And so, you know, subtly the messaging that I got from my dad when I was young was money equals success. And so, you know, I carried that through my adulthood thinking like, okay, if I don't have money, I'm not successful. I'm not doing this right. I'm not worthy, you know. From my mom, we would always go shopping and we would go like straight beeline to the sales racks. And I thought that's what you do, right? So you you go and buy something. You always have to get something like on a deal <laughs> or on sale. And so in my adulthood, I found it really hard to to go out and buy something or like go have a nice meal and maybe splurge on something and feel okay about it. I would always like, you know, my husband always joke like, okay, we're going to go eat this meal. But when we leave, you cannot say a single comment about what, how much it costs. Like you had to be okay when you ordered the item with what it was. And it's so hard for me to, to, um, retrain that in my brain, because it's just, I go back to these kind of patterns as a, as a kid. So I always tell people like, even if you had the best childhood ever, and maybe you never saw your parents fight about money, there are still some like really strong beliefs and messaging that, that are playing out, you know, behind the scenes. And they're really worth examining and, and taking a look into, you know, what those were. Why do you think it's so hard to discuss money. I mean, it really is. I mean, I know, knew you were coming on this podcast and I, I, it was nerve wracking in and of itself, just knowing I was going to discuss it with you. And I think, you know, I've had conversations with my friends. We discuss deep, dark secrets and relationship things and, and things, you know, we go there in every other aspect of life with each other, except when it comes to money. And it's just interesting. How can we get better at discussing money? And, and is it a different conversation when you're talking to a spouse as opposed to a friend? Yeah, you're not alone. Like I, you are in the majority <laughs> of people who find it extraordinarily difficult to talk about money. I still find it difficult to talk about money. So there, it really isn't a place you get to where you're like, all right, this is so easy. I can just rattle off. And I think it's, 
again, it comes back to sort of money being this this primal need, the this uh, you know societal beliefs around money. Even if you know that money is not the direct correlation to happiness, there is still this you know underlying context that if you're not doing certain things with your money, that you're not you're not you're not a good person, or you're not you know doing things right, or that you're not perfect, or that you've made mistakes. You know, I think when we talk about money, it's we open ourselves up to judgment. We open ourselves up to, you know, all sorts of comments, right, that, that somebody else is going to make based off of how you've either spent or saved your money. And the truth is, is there isn't a right way. There isn't like a, a magical 10-step, you know, solution that you need to follow in order to be right with your money. So I think there's just a lot of really negative emotions when it when it comes to money and we all feel like we're failing. We all feel like we're making mistakes. You know, I've I've worked with people who just have like a shit ton of money and they still have they still feel the same way. Like, oh my gosh, I've made all these mistakes. I shouldn't have done this. I should have done this. So it's sort of irrespective of, you know, the amount of money you make, but I think you know, it just kind of keeps kind of keeps stacking on top of itself. So we don't talk about money and then that makes us scared to talk about money. And then we stay even further away from talking about money. And so when we when we start to talk about it, it feels really messy and really scary. I would say like the the place where people feel the most anxiety <laughs> and just, you know, complete stress is talking to a partner about money because you really feel like you're standing, you know, naked in a street. <laughs> you know, people are just there to make complete judgments. And the reason is because, you know, the other person that you're looking at has their own messed up relationship with money. So you've got two people who kind of have this messy relationship with money and, you know, it's just it's just a place where it's it's really scary to do. So but that that's really my like my mission. My mission is to help everyone feel empowered that they can at least like tiptoe their way into gently talking about money with somebody, anybody. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. You know, it's it's funny. I found myself researching this episode and realizing I don't even are, are we in a recession right now? Is a recession coming up? And I wanted to talk to you about saving because we have some younger listeners on this podcast. And I think saving at a young age is something that I continually hear. If you just start doing that, it will get you so much farther in life. And so I want to discuss that. But then I thought, okay, if we're in a recession, do we then does that change how we're going to save? It's it is definitely the crystal ball question. Are we in a recession? Are we not? I have had so many guests on my show and they all say something different. And I the consensus is that at this moment, the day we're recording this, we are not in a recession. There might be a tiny one that happens this year in 2023. But you know, I think the thing that you that everyone listening needs to really know about money is money works in cycles. So we go through these about 10 to 12 year kind of cycles where 
the economy is really great and the stock market's going gangbusters. And then all of a sudden there's a blip and something happens. Either we go in a recession or the housing market declines or interest rates go up. You know, all of these things kind of work in tandem with each other. But it's think of it as a is a way that the economy is kind of like cleansing itself. It can feel really scary, particularly if you're worried about losing your job or or something like that. That can that can feel really really scary. But this is kind of a normal process of what happens in the economy. So it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And there's a lot of fear mongering. So, you know, whether you're watching the news or you're online, I mean, you all know that like headlines are the things that they use to get us kind of, you know, wrapped in and get us listening or reading. And so those headlines tend to be salacious and, you know, make you feel like everything's going to fall apart in your life. (laughs) And all your money is going to disappear. But I, I don't want you to, to believe that. It's not going to happen. So saving, yeah. I mean, you know, whether we're in a recession or we're not in a recession, it's always great to, to save money. Right now, we're in a time where interest rates are really high. So that works against you for things like buying a house or buying a car or even like your credit card interest rate. But it works for you if you're saving money. So you know, if you're saving money in something I love, it's called a high yield savings account. They're going to pay you, you know, between three to 4% interest, which is pretty nice for just a savings account interest rate. So that's a positive. But I think you should always be doing kind of the core things around money, you know, saving money, investing a little bit, you know, having this, I call it your oh shit fund. It's, you know, a little stash of emergency money that you can use. You know, you always should be, I hate the word budgeting. I never talk about budgeting. I instead talk about just track your cash, just know where your cash is going. Right. And that gives you a lot of control over your money and you can, you can make decisions. So I think you should always be doing those couple of things. What is a high yield savings account that you just mentioned? Yeah, I know. And I'm sure our listeners are going to be like, hey, Kayla, ask her because we want to know what to do. So the traditional banks, like your big banks, just, you know, I'll just in no order name off a few like Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, those all have, you know, you can have your regular checking account and then you can have a savings account. Well, those big banks pay very little interest on savings accounts, typically between like 0.01 and 0.03%. So basically nothing. There really isn't a huge difference. High yield savings accounts came about about 10, 15 years ago. And those are banks like Ally Bank, Synchrony Bank, even American Express, Discover has a high yield savings account. There's a lot of options out there if you Google high yield savings account. These are usually online banks. They don't have like a brick and mortar where you can just drive up to the bank, but they have all the same features where you you get debit cards so you can take your money out, you can move your money back and forth, all of those things. But because they don't have actual physical locations, instead what they can do is they can offer you the customer more interest. So they just pay you a higher interest rate for your savings. So I come from the school of more money is always more money. So whether it's an extra five bucks or, you know, $10 here or there, whatever it is, it's just extra money that you have to play and, and use with. And so, you know, might not feel like the right fit for most people, but like I have a, a savings account at my kind of bigger bank, but I also have a high yield savings account. So I'll just kind of move money around, but 
I have most of my emergency fund kind of parked at this high yield savings account. So it's just earning as much interest as humanly possible while it's still safe and accessible to me. Do you have to keep X amount in a high yield savings account? Is it one of those accounts where it's required to, you know, not go below a certain number or? No, no? and I would, okay. I would tell you to never open one of those types of accounts, but there are so many places now where like the minimum is a dollar. You know, you have a lot of flexibility there. I would say the biggest con, if you can actually consider it a con, is if you were transferring money from that over to your checking account, it might take a day, you know, maybe 48 hours for the transfer to happen. So you just kind of have to be mindful of that. But that's really the only con. <laughs> there are just so many pros to, to just parking your money in a high yield savings account. I, I know you said don't use the term budget, that it's just know your numbers. But I wanted to, is there a way that we can know our numbers? Because you do hear, you know, travel on a budget, eat on a budget, everything's about budget, budget, budget. No, I think knowing your numbers is really important. But how do we figure out what our numbers are? So I have a, I have a, fairly simple process. And it yes, it does require a little bit of time, but I promise you the end result is going to be amazing for you. So I always tell people, grab the last three months of your bank statement or your credit card statement, like whatever you use to pay for most of your expenses. Print them off or get them on your iPad or something that's really accessible. Then go somewhere that you love, a restaurant, a park, you know, whatever it is. Go somewhere that makes you feel really good and have maybe a beverage with you, maybe some food, right? You've got to kind of set the mood around money. So we're trying to make this an experience and, and not painful or scary at all. And what I want you to do is I want you to just start categorizing your expenses. So I have just a bunch of highlighters and I start highlighting and kind of color coding my bank statement. And then what you do is you just add up for the month those expenses in all of the different categories. And what types of categories would you recommend? Like eating out sort of thing and like necess home necessities or a home office kind of thing? And I say get as, as granular as you can at first. So, you know, rather than having like a giant miscellaneous, like can you move, you know, maybe it's like hair care products. Maybe it's, you know, if you want to have like a grooming category and then you want to lump all your hair stuff and your nails and tanning or whatever all in that. But yeah, eating out, you know, your rent, your mortgage, you know, your car payment, your, you know, if you have any loans or credit cards, you know, what are the minimum payments on those? Eating out is the category everybody overspends on. So it's my favorite one for, for you to track. Shopping, you know, things like Uber, other things people leave out sometimes are like ATM fees. So like maybe you go to an ATM that's not like your home ATM and you've got like a three buck charge a couple times a month. Just get as granular as humanly possible because what I want you to be able to see if you do this for the three month time periods, if you go back, you know, three months, you kind of cross compare you're going to start to see patterns. You're going to start to see like, oh, okay, so I pretty much spend X amount in this category. Okay, maybe I set a little boundary over my spending, you know, for this. But you're also going to start seeing patterns of categories that just have kind of wild fluctuations. Again, it's usually the eating out category for most of us. And so you're going to want to pay attention to those specific categories. So the, the whole rationale behind this is, to give you control over your money, right? And put you in the driver's seat. So let's just pretend like eating out is your category where you just, you spend more than you really think 
you you spent. To give you an example really quick. So I worked with a couple a couple of years ago and they thought that they were spending about $400 a month eating out. They thought that was their budget because they had written that number down on a piece of paper like for three years. So they were just convinced that was their number. But when they hired me and we did this exercise, I came into them and I said, okay, so you thought you were spending $400. Any guesses of how much you are actually spending? And they're like, no, I mean, we think $400, right? <laughs> they were spending about $2,500 to $3,000 a month eating out. Oh my God, that's such a huge difference. It is. And so this is what's crazy about money because you think like, there's no way I would know if I was spending that much money. But we don't, right? We convince ourselves into anything around money. So by knowing where your money is actually going, you are in the driver's seat. You have awareness of what's happening. And then you've got two choices. Your first choice is, I'm okay with it. This is fantastic. I'm fine with this number. Or the other choice is, eh, maybe I'm not so okay with this. Let me see if I can just set like a little boundary for myself or, you know, figure out a way. Maybe I'm not eating out five days a week. Maybe it's four days a week or just figure out a small tweak. And then the secret to doing that then is saying, okay, let me then take the extra money that I would have been spending eating out and let me move it to one of my money goals, whether it's I want to start investing or I want to start saving or I want to buy a house, right? So we're not having to earn any extra money. We're just being better with the money we've got so that we can make sure that we're able to do the things we want to do. This is all so helpful. And, you know, you do it in such a way that it feels doable. You know, it's we totally can totally. Yeah, it, it, it does seem doable. I think sometimes it can be scary to face yourself in the mirror and realize, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through my last past three credit card statements or whatever. It's inspiring me. I'm picturing myself right now doing that and going through it. And I'm pretty sure I was thinking about Postmates and Uber Eats and all those things too, where people assume they're spending, you know, $14 on a Pokeball, but then you add on all those extra taxes and things that, and it ends up being delivery, like all these things. And then it ends up being so much more than you mentally are telling yourself you're spending. So the important thing, the important thing, and, you know, I would tell anyone listening, like, do, do this, do this experiment, just give it a try. But the caveat is you cannot place judgment on yourself. So you can't say, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done it. You can't do that right? You have to flip that switch and go, this is like an information gathering session. You know, I always tell people like, be like you're, pretend like you're a detective in your own money and you're looking for these clues and patterns, right? And you're not there to pass judgment or blame on yourself. You're just there to go, okay, what's happening? Let me see what's happening. Let me see if I can make little tweaks like that. That's it. You know, and if we start to approach money from that perspective, it's going to make things lighter for you. You're going to start to not be so obsessive about it. <laughs> you're so brilliant in the fact that you, you're making it comfortable, you know, in the sense of like find your favorite spot and maybe take a beverage with you because it is uncomfortable. And, you know, you talk about money being safe and that feels so foreign to me. So how do we begin to change our thoughts so that we can view money from a safe perspective? The first thing to do is to really figure out what your thoughts are. So 
There are a couple of different exercises. I'm a big journaling person, and I think specifically around money, it's really helpful. So one of the questions I ask everybody, like just right out of the gate is, write down, how do I feel about money? And then journal about that. And you will be surprised at what you uncover about how you actually feel about money. And there's lots of clues that lie in your response to that answer. So, you know, I always tell people like, keep asking yourself why. So if you're, if you write, you know, something like, you know, money always makes me feel really anxious. Okay. Why? Why, why does it make you feel anxious? What are you afraid of? What do you think is going to happen? And then why, why that? And why that? Like keep digging down deeper. So that's a really interesting exercise to do to start uncovering what you think and feel about money. Another interesting exercise is something I call the money timeline. I just get like a piece of white paper or you can do it on a Word doc and you draw a line down the piece of paper. And on the top of the line, above the line, I should say, write down everything positive that you can possibly remember that's happened to you around money from birth to whatever you're at now. Anything like you got a raise or, you know, you went to Vegas and, you know, you, your poker game went correct or, you know, whatever. Write down all the positive things. Below the line, I want you to write all the negative things. So all the things that, you know, mistakes that you think you've made or things that you wish you would have done, all of that I want you to write below the line. So this creates a money timeline for you. And when you're done writing it, I want you to just like put away and don't look at it and come back to it a couple of days later because you're going to be able to look at this from a different perspective. And that exercise in itself is going to reveal a lot of clues of what's going on in your relationship with money. Most people have a lot, a lot more things below the line than they do above the line. But it, it gets your brain to start thinking about how you interact with money. And I would say the last exercise is something I like to do a lot, specifically when I'm getting in patterns, when I just find myself like having a lot of money anxiety is you can either do this on the note apps on your phone, or if you have like a little notebook that you carry with you, I want you to write down every single time in a 24 hour period that money goes through your brain, a thought about money. And I want you to just jot a, jot a little note down like, oh, thought about this, thought about that, or this came up or that came up, or I didn't do this, or I did this, I bought this because I was feeling really bad that day. And just do that exercise. And you're going to start to just realize the power that money has in so many of our lives. And so that's kind of like the first places I would say to start to really start having this awareness of what is actually going on. Because when we can figure out what is going on? How do we feel about money? What's tripping us up in our relationship? Then we can start to make some shifts. We can't make those shifts. I always tell people, you know, to change your relationship with money, you have to go inward before you can make better outward decisions. So we've got to go in and we've got to kind of swim around and figure this stuff out. And then we can start changing the outcomes outwardly. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. It seems like the story we tell ourselves is usually different than the reality. Most of us when it comes to money. So a lot of this is just getting us to truly fully understand how we spend, which is so important to know. I mean, it seems so obvious now that we're talking about it. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I spend on eating out every month. I don't know any of these things we're discussing. And I, and, and I am acknowledging how important that is to understand. So thank you. <laughs> well, and the crazy thing is like, you probably heard this before, money is energy, right? At, at the bottom of it, money is literally a piece of paper that was invented centuries ago because they needed some system for exchanging goods and services. So it literally is just a piece of paper that we have then placed value on. But what we have also placed is all our feelings on that piece of paper. And so dismantling some of that does give you, you know, better control, better ease, whatever you're kind of searching for in your relationship with money. It will help put that in perspective some. It's not going to take away all of your worries, but even if we could get just like 25% feeling better about our relationship with money, to me, that's a win. Oh, yes, absolutely. That I mean, that's a huge win, I, I would say. And I have a few just simple questions that I feel like I hear often that I would just to lo- love to know your personal perspective on it. Is, you know, having a 401k or a Roth IRA or anything like that, is that important? And then something that we should all make sure we have? Yes. The earlier you start, the younger you start, the less amount of money you have to save to stockpile a massive amount of money. Because the way saving for retirement really works is think about a snowball. And if we're pushing a snowball down a hill, right, it picks up more and more snow and that snowball gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So the earlier we start, the more time our money has to do what's called compounding, basically stack upon itself. But that doesn't mean if you're in your 30s or your 40s or even your 50s, that it's too late to start saving money and putting money in a retirement plan. I would say, especially if you work at a company and you have what's called a match available to you, that is like the best thing. It's essentially free money. So a company will say, hey, if you can contribute a percentage of your take-home pay into your 401k, we'll match a certain percentage of that. So essentially, your company is helping 
build a bigger snowball for you, a bigger retirement snowball. So yeah, I would say absolutely start, even if you feel like, okay, what is $25 a month going to do or whatever that number is for you, you would be surprised at how fast that can actually build. Mm. And okay, so is having a rewards credit card worth it? I'm a huge fan of rewards credit cards. <laughs> I use my I use my credit card like a debit card. This is how I teach people to have all the pluses of a credit card and stay away from the negatives. So I use my rewards credit card like a debit card. I pay for all of my monthly expenses on my credit card and then I pay that off every month. So in order to stay on top of that so I don't have interest, that's where knowing your numbers really comes into play, right? But yes, I'm a huge fan. You can rack up, you know, whether it's free miles for travel or hotel stays or, you know, you can even exchange points and miles for things like restaurant gift certificates. It's just an extra bonus, I think. It's like the cherry, you know, on top of an ice cream sundae. You're already spending this money. Why not get something extra for it, right? Again, the caveat is you've got to be, you know, responsible with your credit cards. It's it's really hard to do, but this if you start this process of un- unfucking your relationship with money, it will make it a lot easier for you to think of your credit card, you know, not as just this free for all, but as this tool that you can use. But yeah, I'm definitely pro credit card. Mm, Okay, cool. And, you know, I want to talk about debt for a moment because, you know, around 80% of us are in debt. I want to make sure that our listeners know how they can effectively get out of debt because so many people do have student loans and all these things. And so what's the most effective and efficient way to help us get rid of our debt? So there's a couple of things. The first thing I would say is do this three-month exercise of knowing where you're spending your money. I tell everyone, you can find money in your bank account. It is sitting there. I don't care how much or how little money you make. I I'm, I would guarantee you, and I don't like to make guarantees, I guarantee you, you can find money in your bank account that you can reroute towards your debt. So, you know, that is one of the most powerful ways to start chipping away. I would say the other thing is when we're looking at debt, we need a strategy. So what most of us do is we just say, oh, I have like $100 extra each month. I'm just going to randomly throw it, that that money, you know, split it up on my student loan and my credit cards. And, and that isn't a strategy. It doesn't work. It doesn't make progress. So you need a strategy. So I teach it. There are two different ways you can do this. One is that you're looking for your lowest balanced debt. So let's just say I had four credit cards, right? And maybe a student loan. And so what I would do is I would look for where's the lowest balance. Okay, maybe it's credit card C, right? Maybe I owe $1,000 on that credit card. So what I would do is when I've done this exercise of knowing my numbers, I know, okay, I think I have an extra of like $100 every month that I can put towards paying off my debt. So I'm going to go to credit card C and I'm going to put that extra $100 on top of the minimum payment on credit card C. All my other debts, I'm going to continue to make the minimum payment. I'm going to pay off credit card C, right? And then I'm going to take the money that I was using for credit card C, I'm going to move it to the next lowest debt. So I'm creating a system for paying off my debt. And it's going to help me A, see that I'm actually making something happen. 
but B, it's actually going to work proactively to get that debt paid off. So, you know, it's a little hard over a podcast to like talk that one through, but just if you need to like listen back to it a couple of times, it's it's really intuitive once you like, okay, I, I understand. It doesn't matter how many debts you have, you can work the system. That makes so much sense. You explain that so well and it feels so doable, just step by step. And, you know, throughout this whole thing, what's so lovely about you is that you are encouraging us to be kind to ourselves in all of this, to be our best friend, to not be hard on ourselves. And I just, I appreciate that. You also have something that you love, you you call a money vision chart. Can you Ooh, talk to yes. us about that? <laughs> I love it. Okay. Vision boards are not just for little girls. <laughs> they are for absolutely everyone. You know, I get out a piece of paper, get out a post for I don't care how you do it, whether it's on, you know, a document online. I want you to start painting, putting pictures, putting words, putting anything that means something to you of what you want your life to be. Where do you want to live? What kind of job do you want to have? How much do you want to earn? This is a really tr interesting question. How much is enough for you? I want you to think about that, right? What are you doing for hobbies? So all of these things I want you to just put together in this mishmash of words and pictures and, and anything that comes to your mind. The beauty of the money vision chart is once we have that, then we can go, okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. How do we get the money we've got right now? We've done our tracking our cash. We know what's going on. How do we get that money to move towards this vision, right? And it's just like lining things up. But when we don't have the vision, we don't know what we're going towards. So I like to think of it like your GPS system for your money. So I do this actually a couple of times a year because, you know, your vision changes. What you want in life is going to change. But the idea is it's like this visual map that tells our money where to go and what to do. So when we find that extra money in our bank account, we're like, oh, let's, you know, we want to save to buy this, you know, ski chalet somewhere or whatever. Great. Let's set up a savings account. Let's start putting money towards that. Because, you know, money can be almost devoid of feelings when we're talking about like all of these how-tos around money. So we have to, we have to attach feeling to our money. That's what's going to give us motivation. So if I want to buy that ski chalet and I know that if I'm not eating out five times a week, but I'm eating out four and that extra day that I'm, I would normally be really tempted to eat out, that money's going towards that ski chalet that I can see every single day. That's going to start changing how I interact with my money. So it's, it's literally like, I think the biggest missing piece to help you make really great decisions with your money. And again, you're only going to make them like 80% of your time. You know, 20% of the time, you're going to make terrible money decisions. And again, this comes back to the self-love. It's okay. <laughs> I love that. So before I let you go, I just wanted to open it up for any other money secrets because you made such a good point of, you know, we're not taught about money in schools. And usually our parents have a complicated relationship with money as well. So even if, they're, if their intentions are to teach us about money, they're going to bring their own baggage along with it as well. So what are the last little tidbits and secrets you can give us that we can take away from this episode? I think just remembering that money is personal. So we live in this society right now with social media and have all these you know media messages coming at us all the time where 
you really, you start to measure yourself against what other people are doing. And that's a really terrible thing to do, especially when we're talking about money. So I remember that it's personal, the life you want to create, how you want to spend and save your money, what you want to do with your money is, is personal to you. And nobody else gets a vote, maybe your partner, but nobody else gets a vote in it except you. So I would remember that, you know, do these exercises that we've talked about today and start thinking about how you can be more like the CEO of your money and less like the backseat passenger to your money. And, you know, that isn't a secret, but it actually is one of the best secrets because if you can start to put these blinders up around you and feel comfortable with the decisions that you're making with your money, that's going to remove a lot of the fear, shame, guilt, regret, all of those things. And I, I would like to think that it may open the door for you to be able to have some of these conversations with money, with some of your friends, your partner, your parents, or whatever it might be. Mm, I love that. And that's definitely a goal. I'm so grateful. Thank you for all of your wisdom, truly, because this is not an easy conversation to have. And I'm really grateful that you went there with me and that we did it and that we can I can start to you know take hold of my own independence and understanding of my own wealth. And so can our listeners. So thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you guys, who's really going to do it? <laughs> are you going to sit down and are you going to print out your credit cards and go through it? Because I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to get some fun highlighters. I'm going to try and really take a hold of my finances because I think it's something that we can all benefit from. And it's it's kind of confronting, right? And this episode was confronting. I, I knew we were going to talk about money today and I was really nervous in the beginning, but I'm so grateful because uh, Shauna is incredible and has so many tips for us. I know I'm going to listen back to this episode. I hope you really gained a lot from this. Like I know I did. We have another great episode coming for you next week. Until then, take care and save your money. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.